0: Angers. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's close enough. Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> I, I imagine it looks so weird to you guys, because I even like the the Z in my name, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh.
0: Has a like a little V on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah and uh, I just can't explain those. So <laughs> that's a z. Yeah,
1: okay. that's
0: an actual letter in our alphabet. It comes after Z. Nice. So that's the last letter, yeah.
1: Awesome.
0: So uh, this is proper now. Okay. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Who are you and what do you do?
1: My name is Christina Bonington and I am a staff writer with Wired and I cover all things consumer electronics, but mostly Apple and mobile and wearables.
0: And Okay, wearables is like so much of a thing now you can actually say that?
1: Like, <laughs> you know, I think so. I mean, considering, you know, you know, Apple has the Apple Watch now. Um, uh, Google has Android Wear and, you know, there's, you know, a hundred other, other activity trackers and smartwatches. You know, I feel like it's its own category now.
0: Oh, honestly, because I, I, I'm I, still not, like, none of them have been that popular to sort of warrant their own category.
1: yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of... Um, and, you know, it's there's no really big reason, uh, at least to me, to own one now also. But I think that, you know, that they are gaining such popularity. I, you know, I I do cover them a lot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've reviewed a bunch of them, and I'm like, sti- I'm still... Like, how how much of Android stuff do you actually review? Because your name doesn't usually show up when Wired reviews something from the Android side of stuff, right?
1: Yeah, so we, we do... Um, usually mostly like kind of the major releases and I haven't done actually, I didn't do the last Android Wear um, big, big smartwatch that came out. So I, I checked it out, but I didn't do the formal review of like the Moto 360. I think that was maybe the last one that we did, but I've done, um, like the Pebble, I've done Garmin watches, um, a a lot of, um, activity trackers, um, all the latest Fitbits that came out at the end of last year and things like that.
0: Okay, so before we get into tech, and we are going to talk about that, like I do have a couple of questions about like you, like you're a staff writer for Wired, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. what exactly does that mean?
1: So um, what that means is, so at least for me, um, I come into the office every day and I, um, I keep track of like the news in my beat, which is you know primarily Apple, Apple and mobile things. Um, and so I, um, I get lots of pitches over email. So I read my email, you know, kind of first thing in the morning and I keep track of what's going on in the news cycle and see if anything new and crazy has happened. Um, from there, you know, I decide, you know, do we want to cover that? Do we want to research some different angle of that and kind of try to push whatever that story is further? Um, You know, I have my own contacts at different companies and, you know, keep relationships with them. Yeah. And then just kind of I do a mix of, you know, short news posts, longer reported pieces and um, longer features. And I just kind of work on those each day.
0: So how like why, why do you do that? Because, like, I think it's a disease for some of us to write about tech, and I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I can't really, like, phrase that question any better, but I think we're all kind of weird. So wh- why do you do that?
1: Yeah, so I actually, um, so my degree is in electrical engineering, and I moved out to San Francisco after college to do electrical engineering, Um but then at the time, like, I only had my bachelor's degree, and most of the hardware engineering positions uh, required, like, a master's or a doctorate, and I was, like, really burnt out on school and not interested in that at the moment. Um, but I had really liked journalism in, um, in junior high and high school, and so I was like, well, maybe I can write about technology. And um, Gizmodo had an opening for interns, and so I applied, and I got that, and then, um and so I, I enjoyed that, and then from there, that transitioned into a, a position at Wired, and I've been there ever since. And just I've I've, co- I've covered like you know slightly different areas, and um, sometimes I'm a little more on the review side. I've uh, um, I've also in the past been more like an editor, managing editor type role for product for for projects. Um, but yeah, but for the past three years or so, I've been more on like the news and reviews of consumer tech products and. Um, You know, I really, probably the thing I enjoy most about it is, you know, being one of the first to learn about, you know, new products and new technologies and then having the technical background to be able to dive in and explain how it works and take something that's, you know, new and maybe kind of complicated for someone that, you know, doesn't have any sort of like tech background and be able to explain that in a way that makes sense but doesn't dilute, uh, doesn't overly dilute, you know, what's actually happening.
0: You see that, that part where you sort of try to explain, like, I think us in the tech press, or even like people just are nerds, sort of forget there's this whole world out there of people that just want to, like, they do want to own the techie stuff, but have no interest to, like, for the techy stuff beyond that. Yeah. And that's sort of, yeah, they, I enjoy that the most, just explaining to normal, like, I call them civilians. <laughs> Just like like when you actually write an article and then you get an email or something saying, oh, I did not know that, thank you. Like that's the best for me. But yeah, so you actually have a degree in electrical engineering. That is sort of awesome. So you're not like one of us quacks, you know, because I have a political science degree and I write (laughs) about tech, which apparently somehow makes sense, but yeah. So, so, uh, why electrical engineering?
1: So, um, so my background is actually kind of crazy. And, um, so before I went to college, um, I was a professional ballet dancer. <laughs> what? This is and just... so, so I was doing ballet and, um, the economy that was around, um, 2006, 2000, 2007. And, um, the economy just wasn't, you know, treating the ballet world super great at that time. So I was like, okay, like I'm, I'm going to go to school and I kind of want to major in something the opposite of ballet. And I wanted, I wanted a a mental challenge. And a bunch of my friends from high school were like, oh, you should do engineering. And I was like, "I, I don't even really understand what engineering is, but I see there's like different types like what type should I do they're like oh you should do electrical engineering because there's not many girls in electrical engineering and it's a lot of math and you like math and I was like okay well that sounds good so I did electrical engineering and um, yeah it was it was fun and like um, you know I got to towards the end of, of my college experience got to work on some robotic stuff um, autonomous solar powered robot was my um, senior design project and so that was really cool um it's now been so long I think I've forgotten almost everything from (laughs) school but you know I still get to list electrical engineering on my resume so that's nice
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah but that's quite a journey there like from ballet to electrical engineering and now journalism that's like
1: yeah you've
0: pretty much done it all at this point so
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: okay so when you move to to wired right um I do want like I have this thing because I also I, I write for a print magazine and then there's this online thing and like how do you reconcile that? Because I I don't know, Wired seems to be doing okay with all of that, you know, with the whole transition to the web and still putting out the magazine. But like when Macworld folded, that I just that just like I, I was in shock for a couple of days. So I don't know how do you see that whole thing happening there? Yeah,
1: yeah. So um so we've you know Wired has had an online and a, um, and a print presence for, um, over 20 years now. And, um, you know, one thing I think that they've, they've worked really hard on is trying to marry those two sides and not, and, and realize that, um, you can make a better print product and a better web product or web and mobile nowadays, um, if you are, you know, using all of your resources together and using all of your brain power to come up with ideas and um, and projects that have kind of like different aspects on different platforms, so you know, a piece that first publishes in the magazine and then when it comes to the web it has like a bunch of cool interactive elements or maybe a piece that first published on the web and then you turn that into a you you start investigating that more and turn it into you know a feature story for the magazine three or four months down the line um and so i think they've done a really good job at kind of you know identifying where they can take advantage of that um and then you know I, I, I'm you know I'm not sure I'm not exactly sure why I feel like we've we've been able to do better than some of the other print publications out there um, you know I don't know if it's just you know who the the fan base who the reader base is and they, they they're still interested in getting their their print edition of wired in the mail each month um, one take that um, our old editor-in-chief Chris Anderson had for the for the um, the future of print media was he kind of thought that as more people switch to mobile, the print experience, it's going to be a little bit more of like a luxury. And so maybe the, maybe the subscription cost is a little bit more expensive, but the, the paper quality is better. The, just the print experience is like just a little bit, you know, better and better quality. So it's like you get this experience, you know, each month um, in the mail, and and it's like, you know, tactile and, and you know, different from what you would get on mobile or the web. And so that's kind of one interesting take. Um, I'm not really sure, you know, maybe one day, you know, everything's going to be um, on digital, but, you know, I feel like at least for now, there's definitely people that are still interested in getting that that physical publication in the mail each month.
0: I'll, I'll agree with that, because it's the same over here, but like, where do you like see it going? Because I, I, that's the thing I, like, this is basically the whole conceit behind talking to you guys, right? Anybody in journalism (laughs) from America, because like, like I explained to Dan Moran a couple of like months back, like, I figure you guys are ahead of us, right? Mm. And like, I just want to learn as much as I can from you guys. So maybe I don't make the same missteps sometimes. (laughs) So seriously, that's, that's the selfish part, but I'm fascinated by the fact that over there it's like, like, places like Wired st- still seem to be doing fine. They're like, just, like, fine. And that boggles my mind sometimes. And, like, where do you see it go? Like, when you said, you know, maybe it'll be in, all digital at some point. But, like, th- like could, mm-hmm. could you put a number on that? Like, yeah, like a ballpark. Like, yeah, I, I don't want a definitive answer because that's douchey. But, like,
1: <laughs> just... <laughs> uh, you know? Um. Yes, yeah, so I think, let's see. So, I don't know, like... It's so interesting, I guess this is a slight tangent, but I think it's so interesting how you see those videos of like small children, toddlers yes. and stuff, and they they grow up using they grow up they they've been their parents have an iPhone and an iPad, so they're used to the touchscreen, and then their parents send a magazine in front of them, and they're swiping and they're tapping, and they're like, My, this is broken. It's not doing anything. And so I feel like when like maybe that's like when those kids that have grown up completely like just Everything everything is on a touchscreen. Everything is digital. Um, you know, maybe t- 10 to 20 years. That's, that's a pretty wide ballpark. But, you know, when those kids grow up and, are, um, and they're making, you know, purchasing decisions and uh, deciding, you know, what publications they read each day and stuff, I think um, they probably will not value that, that print experience as much as their parents and grandparents did.
0: Yeah, I, I'd actually agree with that because I just saw... Like a video, uh, like one of my co-hosts here in Slovenia here sent me a video of his son who's two years old playing Monument Valley. Mm-hmm. And that just blew my mind that like a two-year-old could actually do anything in Monument Valley.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I remember um, I was at the airport. This was, um, I believe this this was pre-iPhone days. This was, um, it must have been 2005 or 2006. And a mom had an iPod and uh, like like a one-year-old baby child in the in the stroller on the iPod and I was amazed and the mom said that like oh yeah like she can um she knows how to navigate to her favorite songs and she just go and that's all she does on there she knows she knows what taps to get to to her favorite song and then just plays her, her favorite song and, and listens to it over and over and <laughs> over again um, and I was like that's amazing
0: yeah that's the future basically right? that's pretty much yeah yeah where it's going apparently but okay So, okay, we we do have to talk about tech because, you know, I I could do the whole journalism thing, but I have to ask that everybody. So, yeah. Okay, when you said, like, uh, the Apple stuff, uh, and since this is, okay, this is going on on, like, a week from today. So, it's going to be still Wednesday, but yeah. Mm -hmm. So, that's going to be, like, the keynote is going to be, I guess, 10 days away. Mm -hmm. So... The watch, yes, because yeah, because I know you do wearables, and we talked a little about a bit about it on Clockwise, and so, so yeah, I'm just gonna say the watch, and then you start talking, because I don't know <laughs> what like I don't know what to ask. Yeah, when, when talking about I don't know what the actual question is, so Christina, go.
1: <laughs> so the watch, um, you know, so uh, I got I first got to check it out back in September at the uh, when it was first announced. And back then, um, journalists, at least like my level journalist, I don't know what that means, <laughs> but, uh, we only, um, you could put a watch on, but it was basically just a dummy unit. It like, you could see how the bands fit and how it would fit, how the, the physical hardware would fit on your wrist, but it didn't, you didn't get to actually operate it. So this time around, we got to actually check it out and get hands on with the features and how it works and stuff. And, um... I've noticed kind of differing opinions from other people, but for me personally, when the watch was first announced, I was kind of like, meh, like how is this going to be any better than anything else that's out there, especially since it's so tethered to the iPhone? Like one of the things I personally would want a smartwatch for is so that I can leave my phone at home so that now instead of like this six inch tablet in my pocket, like all I've got is this little like one inch screen on my wrist and it's like a little more discreet than my phone would be. Um, However, so since having hands-on time on Monday, um, I'm, I'm more excited for it. You know, I think that you know, Apple could be making that, that experience on your wrist um, you know more fluid, more convenient, more efficient than anyone else has done before. And um, the, the quality of the experience is really nice. Like the touchscreen is really nice, the hardware is really nice. Um, you know, we're gonna like, I mean, I feel like every, every app developer I've talked to is working on a smartwatch version of their app, and then you're going to be able to um, really fine-tune what alerts uh, and what notifications you get on your watch so you're not inundated with just notifications from everything. You're only getting the notifications for the things that matter most to you. And so I'm actually, I'm kind of excited to try it out. I'm more excited than I was when Apple first announced the watch.
0: Well, yeah, and that slide with the uh, woman running with the watch and an iPhone.
1: Yeah, yeah. That
0: was, that I don't, that that just seems insane to me. Like, why would you even show that? that like, made, just,
1: yeah, that made me laugh. She, it looked like it was a 6 Plus strapped to her arm. <laughs> and then, you know, she had the Apple Watch on her wrist. And I'm like... Oh man, you know you could be just using a Garmin and not have and not have that six-inch phone on your on your arm.
0: Yeah, basically. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, see, that that's my point because I, like, I was really uh, when the iPad was first announced, I was like, oh, what the hell, you know? I just I d- that didn't make sense to me. And then it sort of started to make sense and now I sort of get it, right? Like the whole tablet thing mm-hmm. is like a thing now and it's fine. Mm-hmm. And like I, when I see the watch, I have that same reaction that I did with the iPad. So that's that's why I'm more cautious this time around. I just don't want to be... Yeah.
1: But then, yeah, I actually... Um when when the ipad was announced i was like oh like what 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 will i ever need this thing for and i actually went out and bought a a netbook like a month later it was like (laughs) netbooks are the future and now i've got that thing gathering dust in a closet somewhere (laughs) 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 meanwhile i've got like two ipads
0: (laughs) yeah because see that's why i'm careful but like i i i try to sort of like work it out in my head, like how how this could actually work. Mm-hmm. But like like that thing that the, the fact that it's so tethered to the phone that's what irks me every time. Yeah. Like and the battery life, which they say they're saying eighteen hours,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which I was blown away by
1: actually. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really interested to get to try it out first first for that long and see if it actually does get eighteen hours. Because if it does, then that's more than I think. That might be more than some of the Android Wear watches get. Um, I'm not entirely sure about that, but um, yeah, it's, yeah still, but I, it's still enough that you need to charge it every night.
0: Well, yeah, but that, that sort of makes like if you if you know you're gonna get through the day, there's a big difference there if you know or if you maybe will get through the day. I think that's the that's that's where the breaking point is.
1: Yeah, that's a good point.
0: Because if you maybe are gonna get through the day, you know, it's 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 gonna be annoying no matter what, right? But if you know you're gonna get through the day, well, you know, might as well charge it when you go to sleep, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, it's still a weird, like, a, like I don't, I, I want, I want wear, like, watches to be an actual thing, but like so far, I'm still at that iPad. What the hell, I'm gonna use this thing for? Stage with the Android Wear and the Apple Watch, but yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, like, it, you know, it has a lot of activity tracking features and stuff, but, um, it kind of depends. Like I, I, um, actually now I, I don't do ballet anymore, but I ride bikes a lot. And so I do, I have, a you know, a lot of, a lot of metrics that I track on my bike rides and like most of the activity trackers, like aren't really robust enough for me to want to wear for that to be my, my one and only wearable. Like I need like my, like if it's fine for like tracking, you know, like walking and steps and if I go for a run. But for my bike rides, I need a different wearable that, um, you know, can track, you know, the power from my power meter on my bicycle and my heart rate monitor and things like that.
0: Although I am sort of impressed with uh, on, on Android, you have, uh, Google did this thing called Google Fit. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like eerily accurate. Like my girlfriend just keeps checking it now every day if she's walked enough, basically. Uh-huh. But that's a smartphone. So I do, like I, that That sort of surprised me because I never, like the Fitbits and all of that stuff, that was, that was basically just a pedometer. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. But when you have that processor, like if it comes in the package, that's where the excitement starts for me. But like you said, you mm-hmm. know, the, the, the watch is still sort of feathered to the phone. So that makes, you know. I don't know. Uh, you see, I, I'm glad you're more excited about it
1: because <laughs> you
0: actually got to handle it. So, yeah, when when we get a reuni- review unit here, I'm going to check it out and maybe I'll I'll get some of that magic, you know, transferred on to me. But yeah, yeah. so far. Okay, I did want to ask you like the Apple events, right? Because uh, I've never talked about that with anybody. And I don't know why, because I've had a bunch of people here that have actually been there. Like what, what's that like?
1: So, um, so let's see. So I have been to around 10 or so Apple events now. My, my very first Apple event was the, um, was the day before Steve jobs passed away. It was the first, it was the first, uh, it was the iPhone five, I believe. iPhone, no iPhone 4S. And, um, it was the 4S with, uh, with Tim Cook, um, took the stage, uh, for the first time. And, um. So I've been attending, I think I've attended every single Apple event since then. And here's kind of how it goes. So, you know, Apple sends out an invite usually about two weeks before. And then um, usually the event starts at 10 and the doors open at 9 and they say to get there early. So you get there sometime between 7:30 and 8:30 a.m. and then you wait in line, usually outside. And so you're just waiting outside, and luckily all, the, all your other journalist friends are there. And so you're all just like, "Hey, how are you?" Like you know, and you just kind of hang out for a while. Then 9 a.m. rolls around, you check in. Um, there's usually like some food and coffee because it's the morning, and you know everyone got there before they had a chance to eat breakfast. Um, so you eat, eat a little bit, get some caffeine um then usually 10 to 20 minutes before the event starts um they uh maybe like okay maybe like half an hour before the event starts everyone kind of starts crowding towards the doors and then 10 to 20 minutes before the event starts apple actually opens the doors and you can go and find your seat in the auditorium uh then also
0: it's a science seating
1: yeah and then um Then you go sit down, and um, Apple's usually pretty good about having Wi-Fi in the auditorium, so you can have your own Wi-Fi, but usually the Wi-Fi is is pretty good, and then um, they also usually have some some rows for the bloggers that have uh, um, power outlets, so you can also plug in your computer so you don't have to worry about running out of battery. Um, And then, yeah, and then the lights go down a little bit and Tim Cook comes out on stage and everyone's excited. (laughs) And, you know, there's a mix of, um, there's a mix of like journalists in the audience. Apple usually invites a bunch of VIPs, which, you know, maybe like heads of different companies, um, uh, app developers that they've partnered with. Um, they also have a bunch of Apple staff, um, that, that come and watch the event. Um, and so you've got, you know, the, the tech journalists, like, writing furiously, live blogging on our computers, and then you've got other people that are, like, jumping up and standing ovations at the announcements and, like, super excited. Um, so it's kind of an inter- interesting mix of what's happening in the audience while the event is going on. Yeah, and then afterwards, you're just... Uh, there's usually like some hands-on time with the new products, and you you go and try to get as much hands-on time as you can, balancing with how quickly you want to write up your hands-on. And
0: yeah, so that, that's the part i'm more 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 interesting. Like when you're done with the event and then with the hands-on. Like for you personally, like at Wired, like what what's the process?
1: There? Yeah. So from uh so you finish the event. Um, So there's like usually like some like a room or, you know, the the past couple of events, Apple has set up like a tent and like actually built a structure where you can have hands on time. And it's, Sometimes it looks almost a little bit like an Apple store on the inside. So there's like tables set up. There's Apple employees there that have been instructed on how to give demos of the products and how to guide you through using it for the first time. Um, and you basically crowd around and try to elbow your way in to be like one of the first people to get to use, use like the, you know, the <laughs> new MacBook or to use the, smart, use the Apple Watch.
0: Okay, so how, how does that compare to like, uh, like other companies' events? Because I do know they have this spiel now, like Apple, like they're pretty much predictable. Mm-hmm. But like if there's a, like you have been to other like major product announcements, I imagine, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, so one thing that Apple usually does pretty well with, its, with the presentation itself is the pacing. And so they have a mix of like announcements and demos and videos that for those of us that are live blogging, it offers you... Uh, little breaks, little chances to catch up and make sure that um, everything you've been writing is correct, um, uh, like chances.
0: Are oh, you think they actually go into that much detail to sort of, you know, to like the pacing accounts for it, or is that like a happy coincidence?
1: I don't, I'm, I'm sure that they don't do that specifically for us, but it does work in our favor. And like, so some of the, I've been to like, um, I don't know if I went, I can't remember if I went to last year's Google IO or not, but I've been to a couple Google IOs and sometimes, man, those events are just jam-packed with information, just bam, 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 constantly. And it's like, and you're just like typing furiously and then it goes on for three hours. And by the end, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I need like a hand massage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the Google ones are sort of weird because every time I watch the stream, yeah, it gets like really like, it's 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 very googly. It's at some point it's uh-huh. sort of for programmers and engineers,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: like it has nothing to do with the press at some point. at least that's how I see yeah. it. Like I think like the first yeah. hour is always great, and then it sort of gets murky, I think <laughs> after that,
1: yeah, definitely.
0: Okay, so I do want to uh, ask you about something else about your writing, since, you know, we, like when you do events, that's sort of a set kind of thing. You know, you go there, you're a live blog, and then you do the whole coverage thing. But when you said you do the, the daily news stuff, mm-hmm. like, how, like how does that, I don't, what's that process like?
1: Yeah, so um, so let's see. So like I, I walk in this morning, um, either usually like on my way to work, um, on my commute, I'll like kind of check websites like TechMeme, and I'll check Twitter, and I'll check the, the Wired homepage, um, and maybe a couple other websites, and uh, just can kind of see what what's going on in the world today. You know what's what's new, um, and I'll just kind of catch up there. You know, read a couple stories, um, and then once I get in, you know, I start um, I start working on different things. So I may have. I may have a piece that, you know, I've already been working on. So I may finish that up or I may see something in the news that morning that I'm like, Oh, we should, we should cover this. And, you know, um, here's how we should cover this. And so I talk to my editors and we kind of figure out how, how we want to cover that piece of news. And then, you know, I set about writing that and then, um, we either publish it later that day or the next day. Um, what else? Yeah. And then, yeah. And then, um, you know, I may be working on a story, on a piece of news that, you know, a company is announcing, you know, in, um, you know, a couple of days or a week's time. And that information, it's called embargoed. So there's like an embargo, there's like yeah. a time when everyone is supposed to publish their piece. And so, uh, yes, yeah, so I may be working on a couple of like embargoed pieces that are further down the line. Um, and then I, I, I'm i often reviewing things, too. So usually like in the afternoons, I'll, I'll spend some time, you know, writing um either reviewing products, writing the review or working on um, a longer feature story that may require more research, reaching out to contacts for quotes, um, you know, doing a little deeper digging.
0: So this is like a simple question, but I like anybody that writes sort of hates it, but I'm going to ask it anyway. (laughs)
1: Like,
0: do do you actually like writing the writing part? I'm not talking about the journalism part, the researching, the quotes and stuff, but the actual, you know, sitting down and write.
1: I do like writing. I think, um, The most, you know, it's definitely frustrating sometimes, (laughs) but the most, uh, you know, I love the feeling when, you know, I've been sitting down and working on something and all of a sudden this piece that I was banging my head against and all I had was like a hundred words, like two paragraphs. And now all of a sudden I look down and it's like, a really robust 2000 word review and I'm like holy crap like where did that come from like I just did that and then you know it's also cool uh, I guess maybe this isn't quite you know writing so much but every like I've written so many things that I have a little bit of amnesia sometimes about what I've written and I'll go back I'll like google a topic you know to to find like a story that Wired has covered before to link back to for background on a piece and I'll like read something I'll be like Oh, this is like a good piece, and then I'll be like, "Oh, I wrote this. That's awesome!" <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, that ha- that has happened to me too a couple of times, and it's it's weird. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah,
0: it kind of it's like talking to yourself from the past. Then, when you realize it, and it's it's yeah, it's odd to say the least.
1: Yeah, and I've definitely had the opposite too, where I'm like, "This this this piece is a piece of crap," and I'm like, "Oh, I wrote it."
0: <laughs> oh yeah, well that that's a given. Yeah, that's I think. Yeah. <laughs> No, but okay, because you see, the the thing is I'm sort of the same way. Like the best part is when it's done. That's how I like to say it. Like when it's done, that's the best part. Yeah. The actual process is something so infuriating. It's and especially in tech. I don't know why, but like I also write a little for a political magazine. And it's so much easier there for me somehow. I don't know why, but like when I review stuff, that's the worst because you like when you can't get an angle or whatever. It's just like I like it when stuff sucks. When I just have crappy gadgets to review, that's that's my favorite. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's sort of not just not just writing the crappy stuff. It's it's easier for me somehow. Maybe I'm a bad person, but that's to (laughs) be.
1: yeah no i think sometimes that it's easier to write you know more with with more color when when the product like isn't isn't great because when it is good like you, you just kind of you know run out of synonyms for like shiny and like nice and like this works well like this has a clean interface it's like how many different ways can i say that but you know if something's like kind of awful like there's there's you know there's a a lot of ways you can say that. And a, a lot of times for reviews. sometimes I'll, I'll have a beer first before I start <laughs> writing, you know, if I'm, I'm working on after work, because I feel like that kind of helps, um, the colorful language flow as well. And then I go back and I edit it the next day and make sure, you know, all the grammar and spelling is correct and stuff.
0: Well, yeah, you have to say so you, ha- you edited the next day. That's That's like a disclaimer now, but yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You edit it the next day. <laughs> 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 I, uh, and one more thing about the reviews, right? Uh, like how do you since you do like mostly apple stuff like not all of it but like when like how do you actually approach those like like you said like you can only do a certain ter- like turn of phrase so many times right mm-hmm. like is it fresh every time because it's a new product or you know when you're reviewing like the fourth ipad it kind of gets weird in your head or yeah it
1: definitely it does like um you know i would say like the past like you know three, I, I, I don't know, the past several iPads have all been like pretty great. And so then it's like, okay, like, okay, now, now does the scale change? Like, should I be, because all of these products are like generally great, like, should I be more nitpicky? Should I be, you know, okay, like, like maybe there's like a little bit of lag loading this, this one app or, uh, you know, the screen flickered weird a couple times, you know, um, should I be, you know, do I judge this on the exact same scale as like every tablet or do I judge this on a scale on Apple's, you know, this tablet compared to past Apple tablets? Um, and so so I think, you know, I kind of start taking that into consideration as well, um, which is, you know, it gets kind of tricky and interesting there.
0: Like I, I'm in the process of writing a review of uh, cheap Android phones. Mm-hmm. It's like 19 phones.
1: Oh, wow. That's a lot.
0: That cost under under three hundred euros, and it's mm-hmm. surprisingly easy to write. <laughs> because, like I said, it's not many of them are good. <laughs> but like, yeah, yeah. It's sort of because that 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 like I, I actually kind of admire you guys, you know. And like like Jason and Dan, we were on Clockwise together. Like, I do sort of admire you guys because you you do find like. Like you, you still you still are energized with the fourth iPad you're still there yeah it sort of surprises me every time but I'm sort of glad because yeah I, I don't know what yeah, I do yeah. <laughs> also I do I should point out I write for a monthly magazine and that that the pacing that is just it's, it has nothing like the web basically it just has nothing. Yeah. yeah. The, the the frequency is so weird. It's kind of, and th- okay. And th- that's the last thing I wanted to ask about. Like you, you sort of came up, like you said, from Gizmodo and now Wired and you, you were always online, basically. Like how, how the, is there any culture crash with the people that were there from the print only days? Or has, like, everybody at Wired just figured it out because it's Wired and, you know, always looking toward the future and all of that
1: stuff? Yeah, so um, So that is that is um, That's an interesting question. So I actually, so my, um, when I first started with Wired, I was actually, I actually was working for the the print magazine. I was um, an editorial fellow for what, at the time, was the test mm-hmm. section of the magazine, which is now um, called Gadget Lab, so the same branding across the web and the magazine. Yeah, they're definitely, so when I first started, we were kind of, like, we were just starting to kind of bridge the gap between the web and print. And um, coming from Gizmodo, I ended up in my internship for the magazine. I was also writing a lot for Gadget Lab Online. And so I was kind of one of the first interns to start doing that. And then um, and then shortly after, um, the, that section of the magazine and Gadget Lab on the web really started working together because there had been problems where, um, you know, maybe... One editor would call in a product to review, and then the other one would try to call it in, and the company would be like, wait, you already have a review unit. And they're like, no, we don't. And they're like, oh, like the web has it, or oh, the print has it. Um, And so it was just like complicated. So that was like the first section that got integrated. And then, um, yeah, and then just slowly over time, you know, we've kind of, um, you know, melded the, you know, the sections together. So there's a lot more, um, a lot more unity. people know, people know each other across, um, the web and print side, we, you know, we sit all together and stuff. So, um, that division that used to be there, I think it was probably more pronounced, you know, when I very first started and, you know, back, you know, before that, you know, I think that's, um, that's mostly gone.
0: Okay. This actually, okay. You're that far along. Cause I, yeah, that's a tough thing. Like you know, yeah, I don't like any sort of desk, you know, like a media operation to, to sort of merge those two is Like that's a challenge, basically. Yeah, like just just the people equation there is like awful. <laughs> like, yeah, it, yeah, it can never go that well. But yeah, okay, that's fascinating to me. Cause although it is wired, so that I feel like you guys sort of cheated. Cause it's you know, <laughs> like I, I imagine like the, at the I don't know. Like at the Atlantic, it's a different story, <laughs> like when it's not such a tacky place. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, so mm-hmm. besides writing about tech and apparently ballet, which I would have never guessed, <laughs> like <laughs> what else do you like to do in life? Like that's a general question, but you know.
1: So I also, um, I am a bike racer. So in my spare time, I, I ride my bike a lot and on the weekends I go to races and I'm um I'm, I guess, would be considered an elite um, bike racer. So there's like different categories. Um, You start out, um, for women, you start out as a Category 4, in the U.S. at least. You start out as Category 4, and then once you win enough races, you get points, and you can upgrade to Category 3, and then you um, upgrade to Category 2 and Category 1. And so I am a Category 2, and I race um, against the pros and the ones, which means um I don't win so many races anymore, but it's um it's challenging. Oh yeah, and body. it saves
0: your knees. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the thing. And I'm and, and your toes since it's ballet. So yeah. yeah. I sort of Yeah, I, I, I can't get into bike riding. Again, I'm I'm a giant, so
1: <laughs>
0: I need like a special bike basically. But yeah.
1: Yeah. Just really strong wheels. Well, yeah, In a big bike, uh, Yeah. Right? Well, it
0: it has to be both. Yeah. You, yeah. I actually destroyed the back wheel of my like city bike, which is crap, so nobody steals it over here. Uh-huh. But yeah, I, um, the center of town is paved by like the granite blocks, so the whole bike shakes when you ride it, oh. and I'm just too heavy, and I just destroyed the the, the, the back wheel, just like splintered, basically, just off. Oh them.
1: no.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> I think I need to find some other like sort of. Me friendly sports activity that, that's what I'm looking for, so yeah, oh. okay. So, sorry, that was a weird tangent, but you know, yeah. the, still the ballet still threw me that that's where I, that came from, but
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, we do need to go to your uh hardware and software basically, the stuff you use, mm-hmm. and like I, I'd probably be able to predict it, but it's more fine if you say it and I'll, I'll just nod to myself. So, uh, your hardware, Christina, yeah,
1: um, let's see. So, um, I you know, I review things a lot, but day to day, I normally use a, I, I use a MacBook Air, and um, I'm you know I'm actually like super simple, and I I, I just kind of use uh, for audio stuff. I tend to just use uh, uh, the Apple Earpods. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. They're they're not the you know, the highest quality thing out there, but they they're pretty convenient. And I toss them in and out of my backpack. Um, I take a backpack, you know, to and from work each day. I have um I have an iPhone six, and uh, at home I I I, ha- I have an Apple TV, but I actually tend to use Chromecast a bit more. Really? Yeah, just well. Just you know, I just I mostly just watch Netflix. I don't watch TV very often, so it's just kind of just kind of Netflix stuff every once in a while.
0: Yeah, same here.
1: Yeah, and then what else? Um, that's kind of yeah my yeah my day to day tools are, are pretty simple. Um, I have um, I have an iPad Mini and a third generation iPad. Um, <laughs> so let's see, was that one? That one actually is kind of dusty <laughs>
0: <laughs> as most ipads are probably like I, like i figured yeah. if you have an iphone and a macbook ad the ipad's not doing that much
1: <laughs>
0: yeah yeah mine actually gets used because i don't have a laptop i think if i had a laptop like it would just collect dust
1: yeah <laughs> yeah and then uh, and then other than that then um you know i review phones and um you know, when, when new Apple, when new Mac products come out, I I review those as well. So kind of what I'm working on at the office tends to change. And then, you know, I'll use different phones for, you know, a couple of weeks at a time as well.
0: As far as software goes, since your iPad is collecting dust, I'm not even going to (laughs) ask. So just give me like, give me your top five iPhone apps, like the stuff you actually use. And you can like leave out the official like Twitter clients and all that stuff, since you probably have those for work or whatever. But like, you know the five you actually use.
1: So let's see. Um, so I use um, I use Instagram a lot. Um, I like to post pictures and see what other people post. Um, <laughs> I use um for cycling. I use Strava and Training Peaks. Um, Training Peaks is software. Um, is a, is an app um that I work with like my coach inputs my workouts and so I can check my workouts there and kind of get all these detailed metrics about my rides and my oh, awesome you know my peak power and heart rate and average speed and things like that um, and then Strava is kind of the same thing but adds a, a social component so I can also see what my friends are doing and see what rides they went on and give them kudos upward like thumbs up and stuff Um Let's see. I probably use Facebook more than I should, <laughs> and then um, I, I use Apple's um, Health app for tracking my weight mostly. And then, um, um, kind of interesting, I use the Fitbit app all the time, but pretty much only exclusively for one feature, and that's tracking my my water, uh, how much water oh, I drink. Okay just to make sure because I what I do in the mornings is I, I drink uh, my caffeine which is usually tea and so I drink tea in the mornings and in the afternoons I drink water and so I just um, you know track my my cups or bottles of water that I've drank each day um, whether or not I actually have a Fitbit that I'm using I just keep using the app because I, I like the way I like the interface of the of the um, liquid consumption tracking that it has
0: <laughs> that's like a yeah, that's a niche product right there like <laughs> yeah Okay. Awesome. And then my last question, which is always the same. If you had to pick one thing, like a physical thing, it can be your grandmother. Uh, that you felt you feel like it was made for you. you might still have it you might not but like what would that one thing be
1: so i would right now i guess i would go with um i feel like that's probably changed over the years but right now i would go with um my road bike which is a 2013 um, specialized amira expert and um i had before that i had a um a 2009 Trek, um, women's specific edition road bike. And, um, that's kind of what I started getting into, um, into road biking on. And then, um, and then I started on the Amira and as soon as I got on it, it just like fit my body so well. All of a sudden I could, uh, take turns going downhill, like so much faster than I could before because my weight was like evenly, was, was properly distributed on it. It just like, it just, it just fit me very well and it's my it's my trusty bike and you know what i have a couple i have a couple other bikes i have a a, you know a cyclocross bike and a a time trial bike and just when i get back on that bike you know after especially like maybe after like a couple days off or something i just like sigh and just like it just feels like home sometimes (laughs) you know and i'll just you know yeah
0: that's a proper answer my bicycle that's a proper answer (laughs) and the second bicycle i had a storm immortal yeah, the first one was John Syracusa but it was like a BMX bike like the mongoose the California mongoose that was the, the that was the answer so you and you and Syracusa bikes apparently oh funny yeah uh Christina that, that's pretty much it like thank you very much for doing this
1: yeah thank you so much for
0: having uh, me. this is it this is just say bye or something I don't know how to,
1: how to end this these things. <laughs> like <so>. bye <laughs>